The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome, friends. It's good to be here with you. I'd like to continue the, the exploration of the orientation to experience that is cultivated through our practice and that we can also intentionally uh, bring to how we are practicing. Or in a sense, um, you could describe the practice, the unfolding of the practice as moving from identification with experience to simply knowing experience as experience. That might sound like, like there's, that's not a very freeing shift. And yet the experience of being identified with um, some reactivity in the mind, some belief or construction or, or creed or aversion in the mind and knowing oh, the mind is affected by greed or aversion in this moment, or, oh, the mind is, be is believing this thought in this moment, is the difference between um, stress and release and peace. Our habit is often to struggle to get rid of unpleasant experience such as our reactivity. Um, we might even interpret the practice instructions as saying that we should be doing this. <clears throat> and yet the Satipatthana instructions invite us to, invite us to simply know whatever is arising in experience as simply what is arising in experience. Paradoxically, we can know these states of reactivity with non-reactivity. We can explore this possibility in our practice. Perhaps there's agitation, restlessness, worry, confusion. Is it possible to simply recognize that as such as it's happening? That the knowing of confusion is not confused about knowing confusion. Oh, this is what confusion is like. There can be a space of receiving experience simply as experience, even when the experience is something that the mind believes is in the way of practice. Yet in the, in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha lays out, these aspects of experience that we are to include and simply know when they arise. When there is aversion, we simply know, oh, the mind is affected by aversion. This is the pattern of greed arising. This is restlessness. This is doubt. This is some agitation. It's not to try to change it. It's to actually to understand it. 
So the invitation is to notice the habitual tendency to to pull away from and try to get away from and get rid of the unpleasant. And notice the impact of that on on our well-being. I I, uh, trust that we've all had a taste of um, an unpleasant experience being the source of a lot of agitation and stress and suffering. And then there being a shift into no longer identifying with the experience, but oh, letting the experience just be what it is. Oh, there's, there's some pain here. Oh, there's some sadness here. And when that's no longer a problem, when that's no longer struggled against, there can be a, a, a deep and profound peace and freedom and ease even in the midst of an experience that we think is in the way of peace and ease. In fact, those experiences can be met with with love and can be a source of love and warmth and compassion arising for the the poignancy and the tenderness and the, the, the difficulty in being human. This release from from these patterns of stress and struggle, we come through understanding our experience, through understanding the nature of our experience and also the patterns that give rise to stress and suffering, this habitual reactivity and push and pull. And we can't understand our, our, our reactivity or our experience if we're constantly trying to just change it and get rid of it and make it be how we think it should be. And yet this pattern of trying to get our experience to be how we think it should be is deeply conditioned and will inevitably continue to unfold in our practice. And we can include that. We can include that and that doesn't have to be a problem recognizing the relationship to experience becomes an object of our our practice rather than the filter through which we are practicing. We can know, oh, the mind, yeah, the mind is wanting this to go away. The mind is trying to change this. Or the mind is is trying to to create the kind of meditative experience that it, it thinks it should be having trying to create some kind of clarity or stillness. And we can just know, oh, what, what is this, this pull? What is this pull or push? What does that feel like? And get to understand and become intimate with it. When we let our experience take its course and do what it naturally does, we're more able to observe in a way that allows for this un- this learning to unfold. Mindfulness practice is in a sense a process of, of gathering information. We're supporting our minds in this natural learning process 
We're gathering information about our lived reality so that this understanding can naturally arise. And with understanding or wisdom comes greater and greater ease, greater and greater capacity for peace and kindness, generosity, love. These um these patterns of of manipulation or reactivity um, that are very deeply conditioned, of course, we bring them into the way that we are practicing. And we tend to just identify with, with this. An example could be we sit, we're sitting, we sit down to sit and we notice the mind is all over the place. And so there's not a lot. We're, we're trying to, trying to, um, make it be more steady or make it be more still or more calm, less agitated. And yet we can actually just settle back and receive, oh, the mind is all over the place. And that can be the object of our meditation. It can be even very vague and diffuse and unclear in a sense. And yet we can clearly know that. we're continually trying to corral our experience into um, you know, the, the range of how we think it should be, and we're, we're, we're potentially really limiting ourselves in, in our capacity to open to newer and deeper and perhaps even more free aspects of our experience. We can know these patterns and states and experiences very matter-of-factly. The quality of, oh, the, the mind is just struggling here. Well, the mind is judging what's happening here. The mind is trying to, to do, trying to get it right, feeling like it's not getting it right and judging itself. Uh, it can be uh, such a tender source of compassion to recognize that. We can recognize the, the view or belief that we need to get somewhere or to do something with experience in a particular way or that practice should look or feel a certain way, that we should be experiencing certain states or or experiences that we associate with, quote, good practice. Um, and we can include the mind that is, that is doing all of this in our practice. Oh, how is the mind with this? And perhaps dropping in the question, what, what's being believed right now? This can, this can really help to shine a light on the views and beliefs that are operating under the surface and driving the reactivity that's happening. There's a lot of agitation and don't 
it's really unclear why. And perhaps dropping in the question, what's being believed right now? Might illuminate the belief, oh, if, if I'm practicing right, the mind will be peaceful. And yet, in this description of right practice in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha says, when the mind is peaceful, one knows the mind is peaceful. And when the mind is agitated, one knows the mind is agitated. It doesn't say, when the mind is agitated, one gets rid of the agitation and brings in peace. But actually, this, this stepping back, there can be a... Um, a wisdom and a peace that is even bigger than the container of what we normally think of as our experience and our practice. But these beliefs are simply are simply in the in terms of the five aggregates are mental formations. And this is also included in the in the, the description of what it is that we are to notice. Notice the arising and passing of beliefs. Notice the arising and passing of mental states and mental mental qualities. Notice the arising and passing of greed, aversion, and delusion. And with the seven awakening factors, we can. Notice the arising and passing of the, the skillful qualities of mind. Mindfulness and interest, energy, joy, tranquility, concentration, and wisdom. There's no right or wrong object of meditation. But we are cultivating these wholesome qualities in our, in our practice. And the, there can often be the, the sense that we should be making them happen. But rather, it's the quality of how we're attending to whatever is arising in our, in our experience that will naturally cultivate these wholesome qualities. So we don't have to try to make there be tranquility or concentration or wisdom, those arise naturally, those grow naturally out of the understanding that comes when we are observing and attending to moment-to-moment -moment experience, however it is. We're not holding on to the peace, we're trying to push away the agitation. And we, when we observe that the mind naturally does this, of course it will, we, we learn that that kind of reactivity is actually is what is at the root of our stress and suffering. So through this really simple observation of what our minds are naturally doing, we get to include these reactive patterns that tend to cause stress and suffering. And we also include and become interested in, in and aware of the patterns that lead to, to peace, to, to well-being, to, to 
to ease, to release, to love. So this learning process unfolds. As, as our minds get more and more information about what really is causing stress and suffering, those naturally get released. The great fortune that our, our systems, our, our hearts and minds really naturally move towards what they recognize to be sources of well-being, mm. sources of ease and peace. And this is a really essential and transformative insight to begin to understand is that the craving in response to our experience that causes our, our dis-ease, not the unpleasant experience itself. And that's, that's part of the, the, the view or the belief that underlies craving and clinging. Is, oh, this unpleasant experience is the cause of the unhappiness. Or just if I could get that pleasant experience, ah, that'll do it. That'll, that'll finally do it for me. And of course, we all have this so deeply conditioned. We get to really observe and understand our experience in this pattern through this really simple, sustained awareness of our moment-to-moment experience. And begin to, to understand our experience in a way that really takes the wind out of the sails of those beliefs. Because the mind starts to see how experience actually works. So this understanding through direct, direct experience dispels these distortions and misperceptions about our reality. Greed and aversion are, are rooted in the delusion of permanence, of there being a lasting sense of self that can be propped up or held on to. We cling to things because we believe that they will provide a lasting sense of satisfaction. And as as we attend to our experience, we begin to understand and, and directly see its nature, this intuitive direct understanding that unfolds that knows that, oh, there's actually nowhere really stable or solid to land in our experience. It's just changing so quickly, constantly shifting, constantly moving from pleasant to unpleasant to neutral. And that it's not ultimately governable. It's not ultimately within our control. We can influence it, but we can't just make it how we be, how we want all the time. Otherwise, Otherwise we would. <laughs> Yet these patterns are trying very hard and causing so much stress and tension and agitation. And as our minds begin to understand this impermanent and conditioned 
and unreliable nature of experience. And that not understanding these, the kind of not seeing these aspects of our experience is what underlies the mind's tendency to, to hold on tightly, to cling, to identify. And this, this understanding ripens. What flows naturally from our hearts is all of these wholesome qualities, the, the Brahma Viharas, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, which is the delight, delight in the well-being of others, and equanimity. I'd like to, to read a poem by Venerable Lama Gendron Rinpoche. Um, it's called Free and Easy, a Spontaneous Vajra Song. Oh, I, I actually like to receive this as practice instructions to can perhaps contemplate how how might this land and how might this inform how we are orienting to our practice and to our experience? It begins, happiness cannot be found through great effort or willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. There is nothing to do or undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body-mind has no real importance at all, has little reality whatsoever. Why identify with and become attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves? Far better to simply let the entire game happen on its own, springing up and falling back like waves without changing or manipulating anything. And notice how everything vanishes and reappears magically again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow, which you pursue without ever catching, or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual place or thing, it is always available and accompanies you in every instant. Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They are like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, and comfortable. 
make use of this spaciousness, this freedom and natural ease. Don't search any further looking for the great awakened elephant who is already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. Nothing to do or undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, and nothing missing. How amazing. Everything happens by itself. Nothing to do or undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, and nothing missing. How amazing. Everything happens by itself. Thank you for your practice and attention. And we have some, a bit more time for, for questions, comments, discussion, insights, uh, anything that you'd like to share about your practice or ask about. Yes, Amy. Hello, Ari. Hi. <laughs> Thank you um, for today. This is a beautiful meditation. I really um, was very touched by that poem that you just recited from memory. I wonder if you could share. Um, maybe in the chat, um, some clue as to how I could find a copy of that. Maybe perhaps just the name of the teacher and the name of the piece. Yeah, great. I'll um, I'll post that. Uh, I'll post that here right now. Thanks, Thank Amy. you. Thank you.
Yeah, Jan. Uh, I had a, I have a silly question. I think it's silly. Um, the, uh, I was uh, more than usual had problem solving thoughts going on about work and um, uh, the problem solving itself is not, it's pretty neutral probably. Maybe there's a little bit of anxiety there wanting to fix things. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't feel like I'm clinging to to it. This feels kind of neutral, um, but it's distracting, right? And um, you know, get lost in it for seconds. And um, and it, when I come back, I notice a little bit of tightness, right? That tension. So, what would you call those kinds of thoughts? Would you call those? You know, is, is that aversion and clinging, or is it just problem solving, or what? What name? Mm -hmm. What awareness mm -hmm. could I bring to those kinds of thoughts? It feels different to me than planning, which is one of my favorite go-to's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. Yeah. So if if a if a clear mental note is is really helpful, um, um, well, you might might experiment with just uh, sometimes for me that kind of pattern um, feels a little bit like like uh, oh the mind is just chewing it's chewing on something is right. uh, or really or there's something really sticky um, uh, or even just this kind of um just feeling this this kind of pull this gravitational pull towards thinking about or problem solving or it's like um in 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 those moments that's i often find it really helpful to um just to remind myself that that it's conditioned it's like oh oh yeah that this is something that that the mind has been doing a lot of. And so when I sit down to, to meditate, it's like that that's where the mind goes. And just to just really, to, so that there's more room for that to be included um, and not be a problem, but to can actually include like, oh yeah, the mind is still really, really chewing on this or really pulled toward in this direction. And and of course, the mindfulness is going to come and go. You'll get lost in it, and you'll come back, and or the mindfulness will arise again. And it's like, oh, oh, it was kind of gone, lost on that train for a while, and 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 then just, oh, how is it now? Like, what's what's here now? Yeah, like you said, some tension. That's very common to kind of land back into some some tension when the mind comes back from from thinking about something or. Um, some kind of chewing on something. Um, yeah, and really just to include that as, as part of what we are, we are being with and not, not trying to stop it is, um, yeah, yeah.
Well, there's two. They thank you. Um, so that that helps. There's two awarenesses as you were speaking, and I realized one is it is it's it's okay because I mean it just like you said, the condition. It means some part of me is working on solving those problems. That's all it means, right? And that's in some ways a good thing, right? That's partly how we progress in life. Is, we chew on things, you know, and then they come out. But oh, yeah, it's really, part of our part of our human experience. Yeah, right. But also, I realized that in this case, at least today, in the nature of my work, um, the 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 things you're saying and the awareness is the awareness happening in me. It is associative because I I then think, oh, this would be helpful in this way. But this would be helpful in this way. So I'm, my mind is going, you know, oh, and it's not even, you know, I'm not trying to make that happen. It just emerges, right? Like this problem, how this poem or this saying or whatever the guiding is in the meditation would be helpful for that person or that thing. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, that sounds. So that makes me have less aversion for it in a way, right? Like it's just conditioned. It's coming out of the moment and there's something positive in it, <laughs> even if it's drawing me out of the moment. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really skillful to to recognize that um that wholesome aspect of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. That that um that care, that wanting to offer offer support or offer help or offer the dharma <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah just yeah which they say is the the greatest gift that can be given yeah 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 it really it sounds sounds like um there's a there's a skillful perspective on it and just yeah really in, encourage the continuing to kind of regard that as just a natural a natural part of what's what um what we are training to or practicing with um learning to to be with in a skillful way yeah yeah in this unentangled way thank you Yeah, Allison. Yeah, thank you for that talk and that poem. Both really, really beautiful and really settling. Thank you so much. Um, I was, I, I'm just coming off of a retreat um, about that focused on the hindrances and um, the beneficial factors of awakening. And um, I'm, working so closely with the hindrances for a week I I think um I was thinking about that and then the your theme of that you mentioned of um you know not trying to make anything happen and I think that I in working with the hindrances so closely I've been trying to make something happen (laughs) um I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering how you balance that, 
that practice of, okay, this is here, um, you know, this maybe uh, non-nourishing mindset is here. I'm aware of it. I'm accepting it. I'm saying yes to it, you know, allowing it, feeling it, but also um, doing it in a way that's not pushing it away. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Great. Great. Um, did you want to say any more about the, that the quality of, of pushing it away that you notice? What, um... um, yeah. So the, it, the retreat was a wonderful retreat it was with Gil and Inez and, and they really gave um, some wonderful practices about allowing and accepting and kind of seeing the hindrances hindrance when it comes up is kind of like a sunset and, you know, wonderful that you're here, that I can see you. And that's, and that's really helpful and and really supported me throughout the retreat. Now that I'm out of the retreat, I think that I've kind of created a little bit of a rutted out little mantra pattern for myself instead of being really experiential like I was when I was in the retreat. Um, you know, I just don't have the settledness that I had on retreat. So, um, you know, there's that, there's that like finding my new way kind of thing going on, but also, um, yeah, I'm definitely noticing that I'm, I'm working with the hindrance to an end. Right. I'm telling myself not to. (laughs) Right. So just pulling out a pulling out a tool to kind of work with it in a way so that yeah peacefully yeah. on the other side <laughs> right right yeah yeah that's great yeah yeah um it's it's that's so common and so natural in our practice for for some of the 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 skillful means that 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 we that we discover that are really effective can be really effective at um just helping orient the mind in a really skillful direction. Um, and yet when, when we're using them kind of like as a, just as a, a habitual kind of response to, to kind of practice our way out of, of, or to kind of tweak it a little bit so that it'll, it'll be more pleasant and go away. And um, yeah, that is so, uh, so, so natural and so, um, so common. And I would I would really just encourage um, there, um, just to you know include just to include and notice like oh this reaching for this tool to work with the hind- with this hindrance um, like maybe just like include this um, this quality of maybe subtle subtle aversion of just um, of subtle aversion to the hindrance and or some subtle kind of creating for or leaning towards um, some qual- some state that you are trying to, to kind of get to, which our minds are just always doing, like always doing. Yeah. And just like you are noticing the hindrance in the first place, the, re- the, re- the response to it, that kind of like, oh, I want to kind of practice it away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I have this new thing. Let me use it. And yeah, there's definitely like a, a layer a thin film of aversion on top of the hindrance, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe right. a thick film sometimes. 
Yeah, that's really great to see. That's really great to see. Yeah, this this kind of level of experience in the mind that is kind of what we typically identify with is like the the mind that is doing the the practice. It's like, oh, I'm going to notice this or be aware of this or bring up this or, or remind myself of this. Um, like, oh, all of that is also just, you know, also just mental activity at the same level of the the original object that you're noticing, like the hindrance. And then, so it's great that you're seeing that. And just, it's, it's kind of like, it can feel kind of like a never ending kaleidoscopic stepping back of like, oh, well, there's a relationship to that. And then the next moment you notice, oh, there's, there's an identification with noticing that. And it's like, Oh, just however it is in each moment, just letting the mind um, kind of whatever level of experience is presenting itself be, um, yeah, be included is what's natural. And um, in terms of like working with the hindrances versus just knowing them or ain't really any experience, um, uh, the, the teachings are really context-based. Um, and so there's a gradation of, of, ways that uh, are really skillful to, to, to be in relationship to or, or respond to our experience. So when there is, like you said, like on retreat, this is often the experience that on retreat, there's a bit more settledness and in inner resources and capacity. And so often we can just know, we can just know experience and it's not so sticky that it's really tying us in knots. We can, oh, there, there can be some balance that can know, oh, there's a version happening here. And, a, and there's some, some spaciousness around it that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and when there's not that level of, of resource available, um, it can be really helpful. Uh, sometimes we, we can like try, we can think that, oh, we should just be able to just know it and, if I am bringing in any kind of skillful means, then I'm, I don't know, it's like not doing it right. But but uh, there's a sutta where the Buddha says there's five ways of working with, with I think this one is distracting thoughts, but it could be like any, any, um, any difficult experience. And the first thing is just to know it, to know it as experience, to know it with mindfulness. And if that, if there isn't the level of, of, of awareness or stability in order to know it in a balanced way. then the next thing is to, to shift to something, um, to shift to something more neutral. So like orienting our direction, our attention in a direction that is um, more resourcing, like, Oh, this pattern is really, really sticky and it's just kind of taking me out or it's like really dysregulated or there's some kind of, trauma thing coming up that's like okay don't just try to sit with this like like you know it's time to open up and like look around or orient to to sounds or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's yeah it's really context-based so when the when it's not really like critically critically like sticky and um kind of snowballing then we can can just settle back and know oh this is how it is right now um, and yet when it is really kind of ramping things up to try to just stay with it, um, then it's really, yeah, listen to the, the wisdom that knows that it's, it's going to be really supportive to, and, and caring to, to shift here yeah, to something else. 
So thank that's, you. That's really helpful. I don't mean to quiz you, but I wonder what the other three methods are that were mentioned in that sutta. Oh, it's it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, so I think the first one is just to know experience, to know just to know it, allow it. Um, the next one is to um, to bring in a wholesome reflection, like to bring in a wholesome thought or reflection. Um, another one is just to replace, yeah, like the shifting to something else. So you replace this experience with something else, like, okay, I'm just going to think about something else or attend to something else. Um, I don't quite remember what the fourth one is, but the last, the last one is, it is the, something like you press your tongue into the roof of your mouth and you grit your teeth and you crush mind with mind. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the language that's used is crush mind with mind. I don't know about, I don't know about that translation. It might not be so violent, you know, in the, in the original poly, but just kind of like using the power of the mind to say, no, like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go down this road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that can actually be really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah that's possible at the be- for me at the beginning, like when something just begins to arise and like, mm-hmm. you know, actually, let's not do that. You know, like every once in a while, that is a possibility. Right. Like, gritting, that sounds a little <laughs> over-efforting for me. I know, yeah, that's an intense one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Suta. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah. Well, we're at time. So thank you all for your, your practice and presence and